0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. You guys, but I just thought it was amazing. And uh, we've got such a good church, don't we? Good people, good congregation, everything about it is amazing. So very privileged to preach this morning. A uh, short message on the th- series that we're doing, which is Whisper. I don't know if there's a slide. Today it's Desiring God. Um, and I've got a story From 1 Samuel. I like this story. It's very encouraging. It's a very mixed up and messed up story. And the Bible doesn't hide anything. It's just so raw and genuine and real. And it just says it as it is. It makes no attempt to cover up people's mistakes or no attempt to cover up people's flaws or the the condition of God's people. It's just honest, raw, and out there. And it's very encouraging. And I think this story this morning uh, will help many people, it certainly has with me, Um, but I want to speak about a, a guy who gets a very, very small mention in the Bible, but actually his time on earth was very, very significant for the church, so we're going Old Testament, so that's before Jesus Christ died on the cross, so it's Old Testament and things were done a little bit differently then, but Elkanah is his name and it means God possessed. So if there's ever L before a name, it means God, and then it's followed up by something else. So in this instance, is El Kana and that means God possessed. Now, this man did not have it easy, to say the least. He was married to two women, which back then was okay, just in case. Um, so he had his hands full from the start. Now, but let's be honest, if a lady was married to two men, she should have a hands full too. Well, one's enough for a woman. For us guys, they were just so much hard work. But this guy had two wives. One of those wives had children, and one of them was unable to conceive. And she was deeply depressed. Um, she could not get over this burden of not being able to bear a child. And for Elkanah, he struggled because he could not do anything to help her. He was at his um, wits end as well, if you like. Uh, but to make matters worse, his wife, who could be, had children, sorry, rubbed it in the nose of the wife who couldn't. You could imagine dinner time in this guy's house. All these kids, one wife depressed, one wife, all these kids to control. And they, she would make gestures and sneer to Hannah, who could not have children, to rub it in her face, so this guy had his hands full, to say the least. So, what was life like for these guys in one Samuel? You can read. Um, so, outside of the church, the environment was very, very, very unhealthy. They had no king. They had no leaders. They had they had um, rejected laws. They they did whatever pleased themselves. So they they had no guidance. They were free spirit people they would whatever the bible says whatever desires they had they would go meet so they would enjoy the pleasures of life they had no um spiritual morals they were just in a, in a really bad unhealthy condition um and this was going on for many many years and so he, he's dealing with this at home and outside his home this is what culture's is like people just are indulging in sin they are um enjoying life they are just completely ignoring the god's laws the 10 commandments they have they have taken nothing so without guidance what are we like as people we tend to stray don't we could you imagine driving on a road that didn't have white lines do you think you'd maybe start to go too much to that side or too much to this side um so the you know stop signs all the rest of it, all these little markers on the roads help us drive safely to our destination, but if we don't have moral guidelines or guidance, we tend to stray, and we tend to stray pretty far as well. So this is what the condition was like in the culture. So there are times through the Bible where the Israelites, God's chosen people, would live in great wealth and health and abundance, and there's other times where they would really find themselves in the pits and I think this is a good example and a good time when these guys found themselves in the pits. So it doesn't get much better for Elkanah because that's what's going on in his home. This is what's going on outside. Let's take a look at what was going on inside the church. So Eli was the high priest and Eli had two sons and the Bible calls them worthless. Doesn't hide anything, does it? Imagine getting your name in the Bible, and next to it, it says you are worthless. Oh, as some other versions it says that they were scoundrels um, and chancers. They were very, very wicked. And just a, a, a little explanation to what these guys were doing. Their names, Hophni and Phineas, um, were priests in the ministry, but they were in it for themselves and not for God. And some of the things these guys did was pretty, pretty wicked. They would be be aggressive. The Bible says that they did not know God. It's not really a good position to have if you don't know God. Imagine preaching on a stage and you do not know God. That's what these guys were doing. They were leading people, but they actually knew nothing about God. They didn't know God's laws. They did not know God's ways. They did not know God's characters. They had no heart for the people. Their ministry was just about them. They would take what they shouldn't take. They would take the offering from the church, from the people who would come. They would take for themselves what was meant to be for God. God had very high standards and offerings and giving. And people would bring the, their best and their first off. And that that went to the Lord and the rest would be divided up uh, between the Levites and stuff. You can read about all this and your Bible but they just totally disregarded that and they would come in and they would take everything and the best off for themselves. It gets worse again because these guys were adulterers and they would stand at the temple doors when the people would queue up and they would eye up the ladies that they liked and then they would then go and lay with them in the temple. You can use your imagination, there's some younger people in here. So this is what these guys were doing, host team. Who's on our host team? Don't follow these guys' example, it's not good at all. In fact, we should do some training, I think, because when we give a hug, we should leave room for the Holy Spirit, so we should hug, perhaps like this, when people come in, not like these guys would do. These guys were chancers, they were uh, were nasty guys. But they had a position in the church to serve God. They never prayed. They never knew God. They never knew his ways. They never knew his word. They were very, very wicked people. So Elkanah's got a really tough situation here because his family life is pretty stressed. It's pretty uncomfortable. The culture outside the church is a mess. And then on Sunday when you think you would go... And re- relax and rejoice and feed off the word of God, this is what he had to face. But the Bible says Elkanah, God possessed, faithfully went and gave his offerings week after week, month after month, and year after year. He never gave up. Despite his situation and his circumstances, Elkanah, which means God possessed, still went along sure there's many times we felt like giving up. Many times when you've looked at your circumstances and situations and thought, what is the point? But he's a great example in the Bible for us to keep going, to press in, and to remember um, that we serve God faithfully. And, uh, so this sermon's about desiring God. So we can see Eli, Hophni and Phinehas did not desire God. In fact they desired their own flesh. Eli was seen as a a good and healthy priest but he neglected to confront and to deal with his family which led to this big mess inside his church. So I think we've established Elkanah is not in the best place. Things is not a good time whatsoever. Um, So how do we go from there to desiring God? We've got, got some more verses and stuff we'll bring in things and um, look at this, but um, I want to bring in just this verse quickly um, in 2 Timothy, which is New Testament, uh, 3, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. It says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, nothing to do with such people that verse or those verses is speaking about inside the church Paul's warning people with faith about this kind of stuff this is maybe read that and think that that's outside the church but Paul makes it very clear that it's inside he says they have a form of godliness they look it all looks good but it's not real deny its power so it's a warning from Paul not to go into these things and to be honest if we didn't desire God it would be so easy to pick up bits of this in in our character wouldn't it be easy very easy to become like that it'd be easy to become boastful it'd be easy to be proud it'd be easy to be abusive even if it's um, through our words be easy to be disobedient to our parents It'd be easy to not love, to be unforgiven, slanderous, without self-control. It'd be so easy to slip into any one of those characteristics if we did not desire God. So Paul's warning is to us, as Christians and believers, to protect yourself from falling into the snares of these things. So it's inside the church and we have to guard our hearts and protect ourselves And if we don't desire and seek God with all our hearts, we have to be very careful that we don't develop any of this stuff. So, when we don't seek God, we put ourselves in a vulnerable position, to sum that up. Um, So, I've got some points here as to why it's so tempting to love pleasure, to desire pleasure, rather than desiring God. So, the first one is pleasure is something that we can control, but God cannot be controlled. So we like to do our own thing. The second one is uh, most pleasure can be obtained easily, but desire for God requires effort and sometimes sacrifice. Three, pleasure benefits us now, but the benefits of desiring God are often ahead in the future. Four, Pleasure has a narcotic effect and it helps us take our minds off ourselves and off our problems, but desire for God reminds us of our needs and our responsibilities. And five, pleasure cooperates with pride and it makes us feel good when we look good in the eyes of the others, but desiring God, we must lay aside our pride and our accomplishments. Which I actually have a story that could line up with that pretty well. Um, because we have, sometimes we get tunnel vision too and we can seek things in our day. Basically, we can leave God out of our day. I don't know if you've fallen victim to that where you really don't make time to pray or to read your Bible or to listen to stuff to to basically build yourself up and it's very easy to get drawn in to the ways of the world. And I don't mean the sinful stuff, I just mean what we chase and pursue I am um, what's for a company and we were on red alert at this company it was uh, it was the beginning of this year and the weather was the temperatures were minus and there was some big issues with too many boilers not working and not enough men so it was red alert everyone called to the front line to help um, get these customers warm and cozy again um, and on our screens it comes up. Uh, usually one or two jobs at a time and you would read through it generally you would pick the easy job or the best job and hope that the one disappeared the the boiler that was easy to work on or whatever you basically did it to suit your needs Um, and so a couple of jobs came up on my screen Uh, at this point in my job I was pushing figures and statistics and bonus if I'm being honest with you I was just hungry for the money I was hungry for hitting the stats I was hungry just to keep climbing and i had this drive and desire and so this job came up on my screen and it's uh, it was two jobs and i kind of would have been easy to take one but i felt sorry for this customer it said that this customer is just out of hospital is suffering from cancer and hasn't had heating for 24 hours so where's my cape <laughs> i'm going right now so i headed to this guy's house uh, as usual, when somebody's not teen for twenty-four hours, you're, you're on the front line. You usually take their You take a lot of stuff to begin with, and you get their, um abuse if you like, and all the rest of it. It's just part of the job that you used to do. And uh, but this guy was nice; he was quite good. And so we went up to his boiler, nice and easy. Um, frozen condensate pipe. Let's get this defrosted, and we'll be out of here. On to the next stats, figures. Green light on my screen and bonus, that's all I was thinking. So this guy used the toilet literally every five minutes because he had to keep flushing his body um, with fluid so that it didn't make his health condition worse. Um, And so he would chat and then run and chat and run and chat and run. Now I had a long day myself. I have a policy, I do not use customers' toilets. I'm not one of those tradesmen, by the way. For you have to open all the windows at the back of them. I just do not do it. My body is finely tuned. And my body clock works before I leave the house. I will not do it at all. I will not use somebody's toilet. <laughs> but I had a lot of coffee this day. A lot of coffee. And I got his boiler fixed, up and running. And I was like, let's go to use I'm going to ask him use his toilet. We sign the paperwork. And I'm going to go, I'm going to get on to the next. I'm going to chase my bonus, and I'm going to chase my stats and my stis- statistics and get them up. Because we're timed per job, and you've got to, yeah, got to try and... If you've got a good, quick job, it benefits you when you get stuck in a longer one. So, I asked this gentleman, would it be okay if I used your bathroom? And he said, yeah, sure, but please don't use the one upstairs because of my health condition. Would you please use the one down the stairs. And I think I've mentioned before about my phobia, for those who don't know it. I have a phobia with pipes and old toilets and dingy bathrooms, and I'm a plumber and heating engineer. I can't figure that out either. But he said, yes, yeah, sure, son. Could you please use the wee on suite down the stairs in this bedroom? I had like a one-watt light bulb. I could hardly see two feet in front of me. I was like an old avocado suite, the pipes on display, and... I was like, this is my worst fear, I'm struggling with this. And so, just for the sake of this story, my body clock was still working properly. And I only used his toilet for number one. <laughs> I put nothing down his toilet, except liquid. And I used the toilet after about 20 cups of coffee, you know when it's so soon you've got to go. I was like, oh, so relieved. And I flossed the toilet and I turned around to his hand basin and I washed my hands, turned around and dried my hands. What could possibly go wrong? As I turned around to exit the bathroom, the toilet was overflowing with water. Then it stopped and it just stayed full. And sometimes you ask yourself, why me? If you've been in that position, how do you explain? So, it was a distraction tactic. He doesn't know I'm finished on his boiler. I will go back upstairs, give it a few minutes, come down and check. So I went from being a gas engineer to some kind of ninja in his house (laughs) where I was sneaking from room to room, I I said, could you please boil me some more water? I'm just going to make sure that this will not freeze when I leave. So I kept him busy in his kitchen with his kettle and I would sneak back into the bathroom and by this point it's still full but now it's running along the bathroom floor. So I bombed out to my van and we have these things called nappies now-ish. Yeah, so it's not a nappy as such, it's just an absorbent sheet that we call nappies and I started to mop his floor up questioning why me the whole time and I thought right back upstairs waste some more time come down it's not move I said I'm gonna have to tell this guy and explain that I only did a number one in your toilet and for some unknown reason it's overflown and it's chaos so I said to the guy and he's like right, right right okay so he then started monitoring the situation and after five minutes miracle came down toilet level was right down I went through and I said, mate, good news, it's cleared itself. He said, no, son, I scooped out because (laughs) it was running along the floor. I was like, could this get any worse? Unbelievable. Um, So I had to then deny myself a little bit, and I had to put my agenda on hold, and I spent an hour, which pushed my times into the red, phoning a company to come and fix his drains And the whole time, this guy's suffering from his health. He sat in his chair, and he looked so relieved. I kind of thought he had the look that he's like, so glad this guy's here to help. But then again, he might be saying, I was so glad when this guy leaves. (laughs) I couldn't make out. But, do you know, in that moment, my agenda was just to push for my benefit. But as I sat in that chair, I strongly believed that of all the gas engineers that I worked with, of all the jobs we could have picked, that God had put me there for a reason. I believe that when we become Christians and when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, we do things his way and not ours. And part of that is desiring and seeking his will. So it's a dangerous prayer to pray in the morning. Lord, use me as your servant or however you word it. you would be scared to flush a toilet again the next time after hearing that. But that guy, you know, there's no spiritual massive breakthrough and I didn't lead them to Jesus, I didn't probably even mention my faith that much but you know, just God humbles us sometimes and uses us and it might not come with a great outcome successful story that we can stand on it might just be a story that makes us look totally stupid sometimes and uh, whatever but yeah, when we seek God and we, we, we make ourselves vulnerable to, to be like him and to do his will and to do his work so pride's And our agenda gets put aside when we seek and desire God and we allow ourselves to be used by him and for his purpose. Um, It says in Psalm 37 that if we trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like dawn. Your vindication like noonday sun. So when we seek and desire God, what are we seeking and desiring? We're promised ex- an extensive list, and this is just some of it. So when we seek God and we desire God, we get his divine nature, an unselfish character that doesn't chase stats, statistics, and figures, but lets us be vulnerable people use bathrooms. Unconditional love and forgiveness, joy and peace, beyond description supernatural power well-being vitality health safety and stability were promised divine wisdom knowledge understanding and keen insight and creativity um and it also says in psalm 70 25 26 who my it says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is my strength of my heart and my portion forever and he delights in those who seek him and those who desire him, and those who put him first. Um, Samuel 1 Samuel 2:30 says, "Far be it from me; those who honour me, I will honour, but those who despise me will be disdained. So, when we seek God, we honour Him, and when we honour Him, He honours us. And Eric Liddell was a great, fantastic story of that. He was a he's a Scottish athlete. He was a rugby player, and he was a missionary and his strength was a hundred meter sprint and his race fell on a Sunday and because of his uh, he desired God he put God first he pulled out from that race simply because he wanted to be obedient to God probably I'd imagine go to church and give the Sabbath to to God and so he missed out on his favored race and the next race and a few a while later came up was a 400 meter race and it was not his strength in fact he wasn't predicted to do well at all to make matters worse he got put i don't know much about athletics but he got put on the outside of the track which i'm guessing has some disadvantage but somebody slipped him the note and gave him that verse 1 samuel two thirty: those who honor me i will honor and he not only went on to win that race but he broke the world records at that time it's a great story of honoring god he put him first Uh, pulled out for the Sabbath and stuff. Really encouraging. There's also a a business model in America. It's called Chick filler, I think. And it's, um, yeah. So apparently, an American Christian was telling me this, that these guys, they say they did not invent the chicken, which I believe, but they did create the chicken sandwich. So they base their business on Christian values and morals, and so they will not open on Christian celebrations such as Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving and they will not open their doors on a Sunday. So everything suggests that their business should fail but yet their business thrives and succeeds in the open restaurants on a weekly basis because they honor God and they desire to please him and to seek him. So there's a great strength um, when we make ourselves vulnerable and God moves through our position when we don't try and climb on and do things our way. Um so if we go back to the story of Samuel and Elkanah, he is in a wicked time, his church is in tatters, his family has fallen to pieces, but he was God possessed and he never gave up and he desired and he seeked and he pursued God week after week, month after month, and year after year and I don't know what it's like for each one of us but I bet there's some form of connection when you think about what his home must be like when you look at our own homes and our families and our work situations you could probably relate to to the difficulties and the struggles and I bet there's been many times where you've probably thought what is the point you want to give up you don't want to keep going you just want, you know, you've not seen breakthrough. You've not seen things get better. You've seen things get worse. It seems like it's harder to raise your kids. Maybe husbands and wives have issues. Maybe one's saved, one's not. There's so much going on in our homes that could discourage us and make us want to give up. But Elkanah was God-possessed, and through him, his wife became God-possessed. She had a moment when she went to the temple and she cried out to God for a son that she would dedicate to God and he blessed her with that he gave her a son and his son was called Samuel and Samuel became God possessed and through Samuel judges were restored kings were restored the whole city was blessed the governments were blessed through this one man's faithfulness when he probably felt like giving up saying to God there's there's not any more point Elkanah God possessed and I want to change that a little bit and sometimes you say how can I and I want to just ask you to remember Elkanah because God possessed and if we seek God with all our hearts we'll find him we'll see him and he'll move in your situation but Elkanah had to wait and it was through his son that the breakthrough came and the miracle came Uh, and so Elkanah fantastic example of a messed up In a mixed up life but those who seek and desire god god will honor them and i don't know if the band could come back up that's me finish guys um just want to ask you maybe you're in that place just now where things are pretty tricky and they're a bit rough and a bit messed up and you need a a breakthrough from god and i want to encourage you with that sometimes you say how can i And the bible i believe everything in the bible is there for a right reason of course But that encouraging story of a man who was faithful and pursued God and didn't give up. If you feel discouraged just now, I just want to encourage you that Elkanah has been there too and breakthrough came through his life. So it's 1 Samuel, you can read it. It's quite an in-depth story. I've only just taken a little few bits from that uh, purpose of time and things. But it's a very encouraging story of how we can be encouraged to keep pressing on when things get difficult. Uh, You just stand up now, guys. Stretch your legs a little bit. We'll just finish and worship. But I also just want to ask, maybe some of the things Paul mentioned when we live in all these things that we get caught up in sin and we get caught up in stuff that's not of God. And maybe there's a bit of conviction in what Paul says in two Timothy when we allow ourselves to be filled with lust, pride, when we seek ourselves, when we make everything about us. God promises us so much more in him when we humble ourselves and when we see that he, without him, we're nothing. We're created only because he's given us life. We can enjoy the pleasures of this world because he's given us those emotions and so what, to enjoy such things. But when we exclude him, we put ourselves in a dangerous place. And God calls each one of us every day the opportunity to, to step out of that and come to him and put him first and to desire
1: to do what pleases
0: him and not to do to fill ourselves with the pleasures of this world. I don't know if anyone is in that place just now but I'll just pray quickly and and you can have your moment with God between you and him. Father God we just thank you so much for your written words, for the truth, for the honesty, for how raw it is Lord, how open it is and how you make no attempt to hide people's flaws Father that we can learn from that and that we can grow through your word Father and I just pray uh, if anyone's been convicted this morning Father that we need to repent and turn to you Lord Jesus and give you first place Father I pray our hearts should be open to that I also pray for anyone who has strayed away from seeking you Lord and putting you first on a day to day basis rather we've chased goals and targets and we've chased materialism and all this kind of stuff father I just pray that you would speak to us right now father bring us back in line with you and in line with your word father and father that you would then be able to use us and through our humility father you'd be able to allow us to be blessed as you honour us father for putting you first we thank you lord Jesus for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.